Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. Welcome to another edition of the Insurgents Podcast, coming to you from beautiful Orlando. I'm Tim, and Frankie V is here. What are we doing today, Frank? Thank you, Timbo. I appreciate it. Yes, we are in Florida still. And we are going to look at the next reference to the kingdom in Matthew 19, verses 10 to 12. And I will read the passage from the New Living Translation. Jesus' disciples then said to him, If this is the case, it is better not to marry. Verse 11, Not everyone can accept this statement. Jesus said, Only those whom God helps. Some are born as eunuchs, some have been made eunuchs by others, and some choose not to marry. For the sake of the kingdom of heaven, let anyone accept this who can. Now that's the new living, and it's much more of a relaxed, non-literal translation. I will read it out of the New King James. His disciples said to him, If such is the case of the man with his wife, it is better not to marry. But he, Jesus, said to them, All cannot accept this saying, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born thus from their mother's womb, and there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He who is able to accept it let him accept it. Okay, so the disciples are responding to Jesus, as they often do, in a way that expresses surprise and sometimes shock. And this passage deals with eunuchs. He mentions three kinds of eunuchs. Well, what on earth is a eunuch? A eunuch is someone who is renouncing sexual relations. They have renounced marriage and they are living a celibate life. There are three kinds of eunuchs. One type of eunuch is the one who Jesus said is born that way. These are people, these would be males who would be born with sexual organs that do not work or born without certain reproductive organs they are born incapable of having sexual relationships that's the first kind the other kind he says eunuchs that were made that way they were made eunuchs by men and it was a practice in the ancient world for some slaves etc to be castrated so that they would not be open to temptation and seduction, especially those who worked in the courts and for royal people. These elite people had eunuchs to protect their property and their possessions. And so if they were castrated or if they were in a castrated state, if they were eunuchs, so to speak, 
there was not the concern of them being seduced by women to take the possessions or the property. And then Jesus mentions a third kind of eunuch. That is the eunuch who makes themselves a eunuch by choice, meaning they decide to be celibate. And there is one character in church history who is alleged to have taken this literally and became a physical eunuch, and that was Origen. Whatever you have to say about that, he was zealous for the kingdom of God. Let's put it that way. Talk about hardcore. But the thing that Jesus adds to this word, Tim, is that this is a word, a word about becoming a eunuch for the kingdom, Allah being celibate, which by the way, celibate doesn't mean just being single and not married. It means not having sexual relations. He says this is a calling. Not everyone can accept it. God gives this gift, this calling to certain people. It's not for everyone. And Paul deals with this in 1 Corinthians 7, and we'll look at it later. But the eunuch by choice, where Jesus said some have made themselves eunuchs, is forfeiting both copulation and procreation for the sake of the kingdom of God. And we'll talk more about what that means exactly and why a person would even want to do that in the first place. Not physically now, (laughs) but making the decision to be celibate for the kingdom. What say you? It is striking that Jesus would use that word, and it's, it's a, it, as you said, it's a shocker, right? This is this is in the face of the disciples. They they push back on on some of Jesus' teaching and say, "Well, then it's then it's better not to marry." And Jesus says, "Let me tell you, let me tell you, there are some people that are born as eunuchs. There are some people who have who have been made eunuchs by others." And there are some people who make themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom. Mm. And what could that possibly mean? How does being a eunuch enhance the kingdom? And I think that's the question that the disciples must have been asking themselves because eunuchs were, you know, as you described, I mean, this is a physical reality. And in the ancient world, you had people who were made eunuchs, as you said, especially people who were serving as guards of the harem or as as officials. The the most famous eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch mm-hmm. in Acts. Mm-hmm. Why is he a eunuch? Well, he's the treasurer of all of Ethiopia. Mm. Why is he a eunuch? Because, like you said, one, he's not going to be tempted by by anybody who's who wants to seduce him. But B, he's not going to be tempted to embezzle to provide for his children because he's not going to have any children. He's not going to be tempted to do some kind of palace coup to pass things on to his progeny because he doesn't have any progeny. Mm. So it's a, it's a way of compelling single-minded service mm-hmm. in the ancient world. And I think what Jesus is trying to say to the disciples is... It is possible that there are some people who are called 
to this kind of single-minded service for the sake of the kingdom. Yes. Not that everybody is, and not that it's bad to have a family, not that it's bad to, you know, to have a spouse. He's not mm-hmm. saying that, mm-hmm. but he's saying there are these, it seems like extraordinary cases, and I think that's one of the points that he's making by using the word eunuch and not just saying, well, there are some people who decide to be celibate for the sake of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't do that. He, he uses the word. Mm. To make it, yeah, this is extraordinary. It is extraordinary. And especially in that culture, I mean, everything was about was about having descendants. Mm. Everything was about creating yes. a family. And he's saying, this is so important. The work of the kingdom, the work of spreading the gospel, the work of pointing people to this new reality that God is creating in the world. Mm. That people, that there are some people who will even give up, who will give up a spouse, who will give up the possibility of children to simply focus on this because it's so important. And I would say because the the inherent rewards are there mm. too. That if you're called to it, and I, and I think that that's one of the really important things, if you can, he doesn't say everybody should, Mm-hmm. He says, "If you have this, if you have this special, you know, this special gift, this special, mm. you know, vocation to use the, you know, to use the two dollar theological word." Mm. Yeah, that's that's really good. I like the way you compared being a physical eunuch for the service of a king or a royal figure, and being a spiritual eunuch for the service of the kingdom of God and the real and true king. I think we could put this passage right beside the parable of the pearl of great price and the treasure hidden in the field. The idea is that the kingdom of God is so valuable that some will choose to renounce life's legitimate pleasures Mm. and legitimate relationships for it. Celibacy, consequently, is an appropriate choice, according to Jesus, for those who are given that gift. And it is a gift. And this brings up a question of how did Jesus view sexuality? And I think we can sum it up as follows. Fidelity in marriage or celibacy in singleness. Those are your two choices. You get married, you're faithful in marriage, or you remain single, but you're celibate in singleness. And there's no other option. Being single, but sexually active is not an option. Now, of course, there's grace and forgiveness for all of these things, but we're talking about the standard according to Jesus. And of course, celibacy is a grace gift. Consequently, be fruitful and multiply is not a call for all believers, according to Jesus. It's not a command for all believers. And as you said, this would have been shocking and was shocking in Jesus' time because that was a big deal. Hmm. I mean, you're mandated by God to marry and procreate, Genesis. But according to Jesus, that is not mandatory for every believer. And... Again, there are only two equally valid callings in this life, according 
to the Lord, fidelity in marriage or celibacy in singleness for the sake of the kingdom. And, and it's interesting because we could look at the characters in the Bible and we can divide them up according to this two-option standard. <laughs> Jesus made himself a eunuch for the kingdom of God. He never married, hmm. right? Of course, he had the gift of celibacy. John the Baptist was another one who never married. He was a eunuch, quote-unquote, for the kingdom of God. And you can see in both their lives, they were unhindered and unencumbered by the demands of family life. Even though family life demands are appropriate and legitimate in the kingdom, but they didn't have that distraction, so to speak. And I'm using Paul's word here. He uses distraction, (laughs) and Mm -hmm. we'll look at it in a little bit. But then you have people like Peter. He married. So those are the options. And even though in Israel the eunuchs were cut off from the people, but Isaiah 56 talks about God embracing the eunuchs, which is very interesting. And then, of course, Philip offered the kingdom to the Ethiopian eunuch, as you mentioned, and baptized him. And he was the beginning of a new kingdom community when he went back to share that good news. Celibacy was unusual in Judaism, and the kingdom of God touches the most intimate areas of our lives. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 7, because I think this sheds some light on what Jesus is saying here. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, chapter 7, verse 1. Now, regarding the questions you asked in your letter, he's writing to the Corinthian believers, yes, it is good to live a celibate life. But because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. All right, so he's saying it is good to live a celibate life or not to touch a woman, not to have sexual relations with a woman, depending on the translation you have. He's talking uh, to the men. But because of the temptation for immorality, it's better that each man and each woman marry. So. He's echoing the two options, either fidelity in marriage or celibacy and singleness is what Paul is doing. But he gets even more specific later in the letter. Verse 32, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions He uses the word distractions as possible. I wish that all men were as I am, but each man has his own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Right, that's verse seven. I wish all men were as I am, meaning celibate. But not everybody has that gift. God gives to some the gift of marriage and to others the gift of celibacy. I think both Jesus and Paul are are making the same point, that both marriage and celibacy 
are ways to live out the calling of God. Yes. That some people have the have the gift of marriage. Some people have the gift of celibacy. It's not that it's not that one is superior to the right. other, and that the people who live in the celibate state are better or serving the Lord more earnestly than people who are married. It's it's a different gifting, and yet there is the possibility if one has the gift. There's the possibility as someone who is celibate to be able to do things for the kingdom Mm -hmm. that it's much more difficult or perhaps even impossible to do if you have a family. And that's just the limitations of being human. If you're human, you only have so many hours in the day. If you're human and you have and you have a family and, you know, you have children that you're raising you have responsibilities. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what Paul says. You have obligations mm-hmm. to them. And those obligations are God-ordained, right? That's the way God made the world and made families. So it's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But the person who is is free from those obligations, who never enters into those obligations, can then serve the Lord in different ways. And I really do think that it's a, it's a both-and because... Not everybody can be celibate. Absolutely. That's that's not what the kingdom of God currently looks like. Mm-hmm. And and we see that people who tried to make the kingdom of God look like that, it didn't go well. You know, mm-hmm. the, the Shakers in New England, they believed everybody should be celibate in their communities. Mm-hmm. And they lasted for a while, but it's tough to keep on going when you don't have any children because it's against it's against part of the human nature this the the celibate the celibate group is meant to be small yes and i'll add another illustration probably the largest denomination on the planet teaches that its leaders are to be celibate and it's a demand and what you see there is immorality breaking out all over the place hmm. among that group. Why? Because they weren't called to be celibate. And to push that on somebody who's not called to it is just inviting disaster. There was also in the first century a doctrine of demons, Paul calls it, forbidding marriage. That's not what the Lord is talking about. And I want to say something about singleness because we live in a post-Christian world, and we live in a world where it is very much like the Greco-Roman world, where sexual immorality, sex outside of marriage, sex before marriage, was like breathing. I mean, it's just totally common. And this has infiltrated, this idea has infiltrated even the Christian church, meaning the denominations and the churches, etc. I remember talking about this subject with one particular person who was single and their response was very much like the disciples responding to Jesus in the very beginning of this passage you know where they were just surprised and shocked at a statement he made about marriage and this person says are you telling me that I have to get married or be celibate I can't have sexual relations while I'm single. And this was a Christian person. I use that as an illustration because what Jesus taught, I mean, this is what Jesus taught, not what Timbo or Frank or anybody else, any Christian thought up. 
But the demands of the kingdom given by Jesus are challenging but clear, and we fall on God's grace to carry it out, whether you're single or you're married. But I use that as an illustration to show how far removed even the Christian culture has gotten from how the Lord views sexuality, especially when it comes to singleness. I think the big picture here is is twofold, Tim. I want to say to every person who is single, there is no pressure on you and you ought not to receive any pressure from another Christian that you have to get married, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. And if you have the gift of celibacy, you have this gift that Jesus talked about and that Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 7. Singleness for the rest of your life and being celibate is a perfectly appropriate option. And according to both Jesus and Paul, there are great benefits in it. I have known two men, and they were friends of mine, and they were men who were celibate all their lives. And they were not Roman Catholics. (laughs) They weren't priests. They weren't part of some religious organization that pushed that on them. They just had that gift. And uh, they served the Lord mm. totally and completely without any you know, distraction. I'm using Paul's term because they could utterly devote themselves to God and to his kingdom. But that's only two people that I've known who had that gift. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so if you don't have that gift, do not walk that path because you'll end up doing things that violate the Lord's word. The other point I want to make is that, and this is kind of pulling back the lens to see a bigger picture, the underlying principle, and that is the denial of appropriate pleasures for the sake of the kingdom is also proper. Not required, but proper, all right? I'll give you one example. The act of quitting your job and relocating to another city for the kingdom. I have done this in my life more than once. I know many other people who have done this, where they found a kingdom community that were living out life in the kingdom, and it was in another city or state, and they wanted to be part of it. And so they quit their job, they sold their house, and they relocated. Well, just like the believers did in Jerusalem. That is an example of, I'm being general here, but being a eunuch for the kingdom. It's giving up a legitimate pleasure in life for the sake of the kingdom, an appropriate thing in your life for the sake of the kingdom. Tim, people do that all the time for more money. Hmm. Well, you know, that job over in Minnesota is going to pay us double, so let's sell our house and quit our job and let's move. Or, well, you know, I have to go to school and uh, this school has the best program, so I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to sell my house and I'm going to move to that school. Well, if people can do that for moving up the ladder economically, why not for the kingdom of God? I just say that because people have looked askance at those who have done such a thing, yet it's laudable if it's for more money. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Right? But there are two kinds of pleasure. There's inappropriate pleasures, which run contrary to the kingdom of God. Um, The sins listed in 1 Corinthians 6, those are inappropriate 
pleasures, but then there are appropriate pleasures. Marriage is appropriate. Wine is appropriate. I grew up in a denomination that said that wine was evil and Jesus only drank grape juice. I do not know any scholar who believes that the wine Jesus drank was non-alcoholic grape juice. And just think of it this way. Why would they call him a wine bibber and a drunkard if he drank grape juice? <laughs> it doesn't quite make sense. But there are Christians who will not drink alcohol at all, not because they think it's wrong or evil. And I'm not even talking about people who had an alcohol problem and that's why they gave it up. I'm just talking about those who said, you know what, I'm not going to do this for the sake of testimony or what have you. It could be anything in your life that you feel is appropriate and that is appropriate and legitimate but it's a distraction and you can better devote yourself for God's kingdom and to God's kingdom. Could be a certain job that's just sucking the life out of you. It's appropriate. You're not engaged in any kind of criminal activity, but to be a eunuch in the kingdom in a more general sense would be to give up that legitimate pleasure for the sake of the kingdom. What say you? And that's the possibility that a lot of people have. We have the, we have the possibility to live out of a more radical devotion to the kingdom in a variety of ways. I mean, mm -hmm. And this is one. A really big one is mm -hmm. to say, okay, I, I am going to live a celibate life. I'm going to give up the legitimate and good pleasures of a spouse and children because I can do that. I feel called to do that. I feel that's a gift the Lord has given me. Mm -hmm. and that will allow me to have more impact for the kingdom. Mm -hmm. and, and Jesus says there are people like that, mm -hmm. but it's not a requirement. Mm -hmm. It's not a, everybody should do it. And it's not even a, well, these are the super Christians <laughs> and everybody else is kind of second class. Right, right, that's that, right. That's not Good the way, that's, that's not the way it is. It's a gift. And what's the nature of gift? It's not something you earned. Mm -hmm. It's not something you manufactured Amen. on your own. Amen. It's something that comes from the Lord. And it's one way that the Lord then creates individual stones who are part of the building, right? Mm -hmm. There are different kinds of stones, mm -hmm. different placements. And some of, these, some of these stones that are living out their lives as eunuchs for the sake of the mm -hmm. kingdom have an amazing impact for building up the kingdom. And that's a gift not only for them, but that's a gift for all of us. Mm -hmm. You know, Tim, I hope that the people listening to this who are single would find it helpful because I think we've made pretty clear what Jesus is saying and not saying and that celibacy is an option and they don't have to feel condemned if of course they have that gift yes right and if they are called to be married we covered the Lord's view on that as well I hope those who are single who find this valuable would share it with their single friends. Because I think people who are single, wherever they're coming from, if they are Jesus followers, would find a lot of this helpful. And I would encourage you to read 1 Corinthians 7, because we just read a few passages there. But Paul does deal with lots of issues in that passage. But I think we should end it there. And uh, brothers and sisters, we will see you in the next episode. God bless. God bless. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Insurgents Podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others find it. 
Also, you can join Frank's unfiltered email list at frankviola.org and receive encouragement, challenges, and insights connected to the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, the insurgence has begun. Don't miss it.